Good morning. I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh, welcoming you to July 22, 2014 edition of Ask a Leader. If you are hearing a sizzling sound, it's what we'll cover in the first part of the show with Bill Cook. We'll tone it down in the second half as we honor the fine work of the Adult Literacy Program at the Newport Beach Public Library. But Bill Cook is our honored Marine Corps veteran from the Vietnam War who's going to carry the water right to the Veterans Cemetery parcel envisioned and discussed tonight at the Irvine City Council meeting. We'll be right back with lots of details, lots of background, and lots of sizzle. Thanks. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the show. My first guest today is Bill Cook, now District Manager of the 29th District of the American Legion here in Orange County. He served in the Marine Corps from 1964 till from 19 to 1968 with a tour of duty in Vietnam in 1967-68. He attended school in Fullerton, Cal State Long Beach, and Pepperdine. At Saddleback, he's pursuing a degree in anthropology and a GIS certificate. He's also involved with Disabled Veteran Business Enterprise in the field of Cultural Resource Management Enterprise, formerly a sales guy with an electronic component manufacturer. For nearly 25 years, Bill Cook now operates with his wife, a baby clothes company called Frog Frills and Daffodils, and a chemical product called Bullfrog Snot. Mission Viejo has been his home since 1978. He joins me today in Studio A in his capacity as an advocate of the Veterans Cemetery at the former El Toro Marine Corps Air Base, also known now as the Great Park. Tonight, July 22, the City Council will be voting on a resolution designating a specific 125-acre parcel at the Great Park known as the ARDA, A-R-D-A, uppercase, the ARDA Transfer Site for future conveyance to the state of California in order to establish the Southern Californian Veterans Cemetery, the subject of today's interview. Bill Cook, as I said, joins me in Studio A. Welcome to the show, Bill. Glad to be here. We are honored to have you here because you are the man in the know with what's transpired over these, actually, these many years. I mean, we could go back to the 1960s, but our story will start within a more recent history. Now, as many of my listeners, you will know in Irvine, a town of over 212,000, there's never been a place to enter one's uh, dear, dear, uh, uh, beloved, dear deceased. And the first iterations of the Great Park designs included a cemetery, a civilian cemetery. Mm -hmm. uh, when did the military cemetery idea start taking shape, Bill? Actually, it goes back to when the announcement of the base came about in 1999. I began writing letters. They were published frequently in the register about what a, a, that how it would be such an ideal site for a cemetery. But there was a lot of uh, conflict going on then as to whether it was going to be a commercial airport, what it was going to be. And as things finally settled down over the course of time, uh, we did find out that uh, with the redevelopment money, when that went away, and Irvine was suddenly short of $1.4 billion to develop a park with a canyon, we really felt as veterans that that was now or never. This was the time we needed to inject ourselves into this situation and say, as this land is being carved up and developed, we wanted we wanted a bit of it as to be the uh, to be a veteran cemetery. 
And that part of the history, too, is that there aren't a whole lot of places that are, I mean, the most proximate ones are not necessarily uh, open for business much longer. No, they're not. There, there the are Westwood some, one and the Riverside one. Well, the rest, the Westwood Cemetery is full, obviously. Riverside, uh, while it's a very nice place and it has plenty of capacity, is uh, quite a, quite a distance away from Orange County. It's it's considered to be uh, within the proximity of of a seventy five mile radius, which is required by something called the Millennial Report. If you've ever tried to drive out to Riverside and drive back for a service, you're quite exhausted when you come back. There is no cemetery for a very large population of vets, one of the largest in the state, one of the largest in the country in Orange County. There is no cemetery here. Uh, There is the possibility, of course, of a state veteran cemetery, which is what we're really discussing. Right. And we're, uh, we'll talk about that. Okay. So, State Assemblywoman Sharon DeCourt Silva, mm-hmm. a Democrat representing the 65th State Assembly District. And, uh, her district encompasses parts of North, northern Orange County. She introduced enabling legislation this, this, during this session to establish a Southern California Veterans Cemetery in Orange County. The bill directs the Department of Veterans Affairs Uh, the Orange County Board of Supervisors, and this is key here, folks, and the participating city councils to work collaboratively to design, develop, and construct a state-owned, state-operated Orange County Veterans Cemetery. So I guess let's, instead of later, let's talk earlier. The clock is running now. And so when does this enabling legislation term out? The absolute next step would be August the 4th. It is going to the Senate Appropriations Committee, and they need to appropriate some funds to do the initial development for the cemetery. These funds would be in the range of about $1.5 million to $2 million. This covers the early architectural plans, the environmental plans, and the other considerations. And this would be before we would be able to submit as a state entity to the Veterans Administration for their grant program for developing veterans cemeteries. Up until this point, Everything that, it, that has gone into the California legislature has passed unanimously. There have been no votes of dissent to this bill at all. None. Okay. So now, the conflict in sharp focus here is with the five-point communities developer, Emil Haddad, whose market for his homes is no secret. They are Chinese customers. They're paying in cash. They're looking at kiosks in major Chinese cities, and they are considering, uh, they do not consider a residential property for it to be desirable for a cemetery to be proximate to that home that they would contemplate buying. Was this one of the reasons you think that Emil Haddad sought control of the build-out of the Great Park last year so that he could maximize his profits, have the largest possible marketplace for the homes adjacent to this Arda parcel. Well, as a sales and marketing guy, I do admit, I do admire their strategy of knowing their target market, knowing where the money's going to come from, and knowing knowing how to sell these particular homes. There is a, a, a very large demand uh, to get money out of China, which speaks quite a bit about the uh, communist country over there, that people are making money, but they're not keeping it there, and they want to get out, and they come to places like Irvine and other areas in California. This is just a very desirable area. Well, there's also, I think, there's a school district that's really been a magnet for Chinese extended families. I think that that was already established before 
new homes were being built, Absolutely. new homes being built without 44 house addresses and all that kind of a thing. So uh, it's there There were many amenities that have been identified that where this agglomeration is only expanding. We are now 43% Asian in the city of Irvine. So that, that trend is really, uh, it's really uh, got a lot of momentum in yes, opening up the, that aspect, that demographic here. So um, for those of you who've just tuned in, you're listening to Ask a Leader on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My guest is our own monument man, if you will, Bill Cook, 29th District uh, Chaplain and uh, Director now, Commander. Commander, excuse me, of the American Legion here in Orange County, advocating for a veteran's cemetery at the former El Toro Marine Corps Base, now known as the Great Park. Well, let's talk about some very new political uh, appointments and entities uh, that are directly uh, have their hands on the levers to advancing or stalling, uh, ending this prospect. An ad hoc committee was formed to consider the cemetery siting. Tell us about that committee's composition, which does include you. Yes. Uh, the committee's composition includes Mayor Choi, Councilman Lalloway, one representative from Five Point, one representative. Who's, which one from Five Point is represented? Um, it was Brian Myers, but Brian Myers has left the company. Now it's a gentleman by the name of Bill Hammerley, who was at the most recent meeting. There is a representative on the committee, uh, Stephen Jorgensen, who represents Calvet, and uh, his position is that he can he can at best advise and say this is what the facts would be. He really cannot take a position to vote. Now, there is another... Do you have a vote? I have a vote. Okay. I, I am on the committee as well, representing uh, your veterans of Orange County, along with uh, Isabel Krasny, who is also a veteran advocate and involved in quite a number of veteran events. Okay, and, and she's a non-voting advisor? She's, she's, she's a voter as she's well. She's a voter too. There are, there are technically six votes, but uh, in all actuality, there are only five, and three of those would be the city council and, and the developer himself. So it, it really comes. It really comes. It, no, it comes That's down. It comes down to a three to two vote. Three actually, two. okay. Now at the at the last ad hoc meeting, there was a presentation by the city staff of the available sites that could be considered for a cemetery. Since this is an Irvine committee and an Irvine function, we really quickly boiled it down to just those sites that are available in the city of Irvine. Although there was consideration for some that are outside of the city. Correct. In that particular consideration, there are two sites that we can consider. One of those is something called the Cultural Terrace, which uh, which actually fronts down more along the freeway that accessed off Marine Way, and there are already considerations for things like libraries and, and amphitheaters and other things there. The other site that was considered, that is considerable, is what's called the Arda. Now, the Arda is a 125-acre approximately uh, site that when the redevelopment issues all came about and when the big meeting in Irvine to decide what, how the Great Park was going to be developed, there was a substantial area that was zoned for, for residences and another substantial area of about 688 acres that was included in the development of what was to be called the Great Park, which actually becomes a great sports complex, which is soccer fields, baseball fields, and a golf course. The artist site was not designated for anything. It sat there with no, just, just completely forgotten. And we were told then by the city council that they have to accept this deal from the developer to build the park because they were completely out of money and funds to develop anything else. Okay. Yes. At that particular meeting, we were invited to present 
our our uh, what time what date was that uh, this was this was the one that I think was back last fall okay this is before the great park flipped to con- uh, uh, being under the control of the five point this, this was the meeting that brought it, un- brought it under the control okay we we presented that we we were very interested in putting a veteran cemetery there and that did not depend upon the outcome of that particular vote we had our eye on that 125 acres that was completely undesignated openly you were open about it and, right? and, and we said well you know we'll 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 take that area, and we actually bring the funding to develop that by way of the Veterans Administration and the grant programs that already exist to develop that into a a small version of Arlington in Irvine, something that was very honorable, something that would be a a very fine attraction and a very nice complement to what would truly be then Orange County's Great Park. Uh, Let's give you an opportunity now to distinguish that parcel from the alternative parcels that everybody uh, and who is wanting to see this process come to a halt in, this for, uh, in the window of this enabling legislation. What is different about the Arda property versus the San Juan Cap, this, uh, the uh, other parcels outside of Irvine? This site is located right in the center of what was formerly called the Marine Corps Air Station at El Toro. Now, I have often said, and, and it was my own personal experience as a, as a young Marine. I was a 20-year-old sergeant, went through training at Camp Pendleton. At the time, I seemed like one of the older guys. We came up by the busload from Camp Pendleton, trained in our, in our weapons and tactics, and were put on airplanes by the plane load and flown off to Vietnam. That particular site represents the last place in the United States that many young teenager boys that were heading off to Vietnam to their destiny ever stood on the United States. I have said this before, there are 60,000 names on the wall approximately in Washington, D.C. If we were to do the research, thousands of those would be teenage Lance Corporals and PFCs that stepped off the ground at El Toro and flew off to their destiny. I gave this speech recently, the same thing in, in Buena Park. A city councilwoman came up to me immediately afterward and said, we know exactly what you mean. There are two of our teenagers engraved on a rock outside in our, in our courtyard that were PFCs and Lance Corporals that flew out of El Toro and did not return. We could, we could probably do the research, but it'd be too heartbreaking. There were probably thousands of young American boys who stepped off American soil onto an airplane and didn't return. For that we give this place the aura. It might as well be for, for veterans. It's got an aura like Gettysburg. Now you can turn this into golf courses. You can turn it into soccer fields. That aura is still going to be there. That is the number one reason why that is the most desirable site in Orange County. Nothing else comes close. So when you read about the the representation, um, the county board supervisor, Todd Spitzer. You're reading Orange County Register editorials that are covering this. And when you hear their uh, disbelief that, that this is an appropriate, that there should be an appropriate place elsewhere, that we needn't hasten citing and approving this uh, site at the Arda parcel, what goes through your mind, Bill Cook? What goes through my mind is they're trying to delay the appropriation passage through the state Senate which would essentially then terminate the progress of AB 1453 and kill the bill in this session. If they kill the bill in this session... They'll kill the bill with the uppercase bill. They'll they'll kill the bill. They'll essentially terminate the activity that the OCVMP committee, which is Orange County Veteran Memorial Park Group, has been working on for the last couple of years at least. Um, we, we We just see any indication to try to terminate 
uh, or to delay beyond August a, a, a blatant bad faith attempt to kill AB 1453. You had... Uh consideration before the ad hoc committee meeting July 11th you were ready to make a motion to accept this site uh, in view of that enabling legislation what happened next at that meeting well I I did and and part of the consideration and I kind of heard this very early very early that one of the committee members made a statement that without an appropriation... It's an this, open meeting. It's an which, open meeting. Which committee member? This was Mayor Choi. Okay. He, he started out the meeting with a statement and a question that says, without an appropriation, this bill cannot go forward. Right there, he, he uh, opened up his strategy to just kind of sh- terminate the entire process. The bill won't go forward. Toward the latter part of the meeting, when it became evident that there were actually two sites of approximately equal size, about 120, 25 acres, that could be considered, I made a motion to say that we we consider both of these sites and just list them both and send that on as, as our recommendation, that either one of them would be accepted. I made a motion. My and motion then, my motion was then not accepted by the chairman of the committee, which was which was Councilman Lalloway, and he said we're we're beyond making motions now. We're on to talking about the agenda of the next meeting. And what in Robert Rules of Order allowed him to do that? He's the chairman. He can he can procedurally brush me off if he wishes to, and which is what I felt that happened. But what really happened in in the meeting was the presentation was made, and there was a there was a letter included in the briefing package from Rutan and Tucker, the city's land use attorney. It essentially said that the artisite was under restrictions until about December of 2017. Nothing could be done there, which is perfectly okay with us. We could. It we takes could, time to build it up takes, the planning, it takes, it takes time to build a cemetery. By the time we got in queue, got all of our documents ready, we wouldn't be turning any dirt at all in, in building a cemetery probably until late 2017, 2018. So that timeline, hand in glove there. that timeline was perfectly acceptable to us. So I address the question then, is there anything that prevents us from designating this as a site and going ahead with all the work we needed to do in advance of this, in advance of 2017, when the art of restriction runs out? And there was a a few questions that were asked back and forth to the attorneys and staff, and it was determined that there is nothing that stops us from going ahead and designating the art site and doing the work in advance of when the art agreement runs out in 2017. Well, I'd like to, I guess, take this megaphone opportunity to talk about the political infrastructure that is deterring this step forward. Um, And I want to break it down for everybody to think about as they're considering whether or not they're interested in attending tonight's city council meeting. We'll give you some particulars about getting there and getting getting there on time and uh, what will happen. So um, we Emil Haddad, the CEO for Five Point Community, has developed some very tight relationships with major institutions here in Orange County. He's with UCI. He's now the head of the UCI Foundation. He has been designated a distinguished fellow by the UCI Department of Planning, Policy, and Design at the School of Social Ecology, uh, at um, wh- whose planning faculty have been remained silent on the disposition of many aspects of the Great Park. I've asked them to join me in interviews when I had Emil Haddad in on this show two years ago as the some of the the plans for the great park were beginning or the 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 five point community uh, developments were starting to take shape and a great park was changing a little bit Uh, so had uh, emil haddad has also he has access to orange county registers reporters and with the owner uh, aaron kushner who's very happy to have the kind of uh 
financial support that Emil Haddad is um, giving, as I've understood, uh, from good, excellent resources. And so uh, today's editorial, many of you can find it online or in your, uh, pick, you've picked up in your driveway in printed form. The subtitle of the editorial that they lead with today is Irvine Should Table Proposal for Great Park Site. And they mention in the editorial what you said, that the land use restriction about 2017 that wouldn't allow for cemetery. And after that, developer Five Point has right of refusal if the city wants to lease or sell the property. So with these major figures and players trying to slow down the siding approval process, uh, what, um, what are you going to do tonight when the, the guns from Five Point Communities comes and the veterans come? Well, this this site now now is the time. Now is the opportunity. This this site was not selected for any other use. It was just actually sitting there empty, waiting for who knows what. The site itself, when you consider the requirements for a cemetery, it's on level ground. It's at MCAS El Toro. It has access right off of Irvine Boulevard, which makes it absolutely perfect. In consideration with some other alternate sites that have been presented, they're not even available for development, or the access to them is very difficult, and there would be traffic problems, and they are not ideally sited. Uh, this evening, we really want to say, you know, if we're going to wait and we're going to look for something better, where would it be in Orange County? And what were that? And, and what and, would the attributes be? And well, well, the attributes would have to be it would it would be on on essentially level ground or lightly rolling hills, with access with utilities already there. Everything that uh, that we're looking for in a cemetery site exists at the Arta location. Now, one of the, th the objections that was brought up by the city staff was that there needs to be significant demolition done there. But also in the same city report, it reiterates the commitment by Five Point to spend $2 million to terraform that site because, as Mr. Haddad said in earlier meetings, he does not want his housing customers to look out onto blight and runways. So there's already a commitment from Five Point to take that area and terraform it and essentially do the demolition and prepare the site Can you just in advance for a cemetery. Exactly what does terraforming mean? Terraforming means tearing out what is there, which right now is concrete runways that are being used to, uh, to facilitate RV storage, some old buildings, and, and to basically just turn it into a, a pleasing site of rolling hills or... Or, or nothing, but he, he didn't want to have blight and runways showing. That, okay, was, that so was a direct quote. There's some work with the topography and the general view of that. So that's, uh, that, that's already been contemplated, and that is very much a part of what would happen were the Veterans Cemetery project approved. Yes. Okay. Yes. So tonight, do you know, can you tell us about where this is going to be located on the agenda? at the Irvine City Council here well, July 22. Yes, we, we know it is on the agenda. Now, the agenda business, uh, the way the Irvine Council goes, could probably be taken up somewhere in the neighborhood of 6 o'clock. We're encouraging our supporters to get there early, as early as 4 o'clock, although they can't get in. It will be closed session. We we uh, have heard that it is scheduled to be to be late in the in the evening so it may require a bit of patience but i think given the crowd that will that will be there to support this there will probably be a motion to move this forward so this business could be taken care of first uh, my particular comments on this is that this is the ideal site this is the place the timing and and the location of it is exactly right i don't expect that there's anything else in the county the only thing that could make this more attractive if there was a larger site 
Now, we're talking about 125 acres here. And all the others are smaller than 125. And and the others we're talking about are even smaller. Uh, When I was asked what size cemetery do we think we need, I often said 400 acres. And, and people would rock back in their chair, their eyes would roll toward the ceiling, and I would say, well, considering the population in Orange County, there are a lot of veterans to serve. We've been told by, by the CalVet and the Veterans Administration people that this could become one of the busiest cemeteries, veteran cemeteries in the nation. They could see as many as 15 burials go on per day. Okay, folks, so tonight at the Irvine City Council, you will have an opportunity to, to witness in person or on the, I think it's channel 33, the cable, the city cable, um, but you can look that up to see what will transpire here. Um, I am so happy that Bill Cook could take time. He's now, he's been very busy getting uh, his veterans ready to provide any kind of testimony. It might get whittled down from the three minute to two minute uh, public comments. We've experienced that with other great park related um, issues. So Bill Cook, Chaplain and com- district commander for the the twenty whoa I got twenty ninth district, district For, here former chaplain I've former kind of, chaplain I've kind of been promoted to commander oh well, you sound so righteous here so <laughs> so chaplain I want to thank you for your time on coming on Ask a Leader uh, I'll see you there I think I've got to see for myself my I, pleasure thank I, you. the Orange County Register is the one covering this I find that their their editorial press and their uh, their their reporters are a bit compromised in giving me the the full coverage, so I need to cover it in terms of viewing it myself. So, Bill, thank you so much for being on the show today. My pleasure. Come out and support your veterans. Okay, well, we'll be back in just a bit and uh, bring on our two uh, women guests that are involved with the Newport Beach Adult Literacy Program. We'll be right back after a short break. Thank you, everybody, for your patience here while we're queuing up our other live guests here in Studio A with me. Welcome back to Ask a Leader. My two guests today are from the Adult Literacy Program at the Newport Beach Library. Mina Donatucci has been a tutor since August of 23. That's a year she's put in already. She's originally from Canada and is in Southern California to pursue her acting career. So maybe she could, uh, uh, maybe she could, so, uh, test her um, prowess in a presentation here. She earned an, her associate degrees in hotel restaurant management and in business administration with a concentration in human resource management, both at the Algonquin College in Ottawa, Ontario. She also completed a bachelor's degree in public administration with a concentration in public policy analysis from the University of Ottawa. My other guest, Cheryl Weiss, has been the literacy coordinator at Newport Mesa Pro Literacy for over eight years after having been a tutor for a couple years prior to that. Cheryl completed her uh, degrees uh, both in uh, her undergraduate and her graduate degrees uh, at San Diego State, that's in sociology and rehab counseling, respectively. Uh, Cheryl and Minna. Join me in Studio A today. Welcome to Ask a Leader, ladies. Hi, Claudia. Hi, thank you very much for having us. Well, we're glad to have you because I think it's one of the finest programs around. Actually, uh, uh, just a, not exactly full disclosure, but it's near and dear to my heart. When I was married in 1990, I asked the guests um, 
in lieu of a gift to uh, indulge my husband and me, I asked the guests to make a contribution to the local adult literacy program in Southwest Washington. So it's it's been on my radar for a long time. Well, it's marvelous. Well, uh, not no, it's not a backpack. It's just a. a <laughs> so the you back- can have the pad. Still <laughs> marvelous. The background of the literacy program. How long has it been in existence, Cheryl? And what's the charter there? Okay, actually, the literacy program started in a Irvine resident's home in 1986. And uh, through several reinventions, she, after a couple of years, joined the Newport Mesa Pro-Literacy Program um, at the Newport Beach Library and gave over to a professional person at that time. She was doing it by as volunteer. Uh, her name is Carol Hazelwood, who is own, has been involved in the program until uh, just a few months ago when she moved to the desert. Um, The charter has always been to empower our adult learners to be able to be more successful in their lives and all areas of their lives at home, at work, and in the community. And that's what we do. Okay. And so tell us... um Let's uh, well. Who is eligible to enroll? This it's in Newport Mesa, but uh, I get that it's a larger catchment yes. area. Our we're at the Newport Beach Library. We do get state some state funding, so because of that, we are our doors are open to pretty much anybody, any adult in the community, uh, anybody over eighteen. The community meaning the greater community, the whole and county. The, we do have people that come from all over. Yeah. Okay. Um, the Newport Beach Library, as you know, is a pretty phenomenal place. And I people do, know. do like to be there. But there are sister organizations. There's the Reed Orange County, as well as the Huntington Beach Public Library, both of which have fine programs. Um, but we all draw on each other um, for, you know, wherever people want to go for convenience. We're, we're all here to help. So let's say if somebody from Westminster comes in uh, to the library, they're picking up some. They just happen to be there for maybe for a talk or for some book they couldn't find, and they and you would you would direct them up to Huntington Beach, kind of a thing. Um, they probably would go to Reed Orange County because Reed Orange County t- takes all of well, it's it covers all of the county libraries, which would probably be more well served in Westminster. But um, we would give them that information. Sometimes they prefer to come to us because they're at the library every day or they work nearby, and we're we're happy to take them. It's all about convenience, yeah. <laughs> right? If it's not convenient, they're not going to come. That's right, 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 right. Okay, so uh, the demographics. I'm just uh, I was fascinated by anecdotally what I was told. So t- describe for us the range in terms of gender, ethnicity, age. <laughs> okay. who, who's showing up in that way? Our learners are overwhelmingly female. In fact, um, about 86% of our adult learners are female. Um, that is for many reasons, but not the least of which is that men have a more difficult time, men have a more difficult time asking for help. Um, our age of the age of our adult learners are all over the board. The majority is, you know, 30, 40 years old, but we have people up to 75 and 80 that are still looking for help. Ethnicity is the most interesting yes. thing, but I think if you think about the demographics of Irvine, Newport Beach and the surrounding areas, it may not be surprising that about just about 70% of our adult learners are Asian. Okay. Yeah. Um, about 20% are Caucasian or white. Persian and very many Farsi um, speakers. We do have we do have quite a few Farsi speakers. Yep, and we there our our ethnicities are cyclical. And oh. in the past, in the past, I'm going to say six months to one year, um, we have seen an incredible increase in Eastern Bloc, for lack of a better 
term. I'm not sure that's politically correct anymore, but Russian, um, Croatian, Ukrainian, um, Ukrainian. Yeah. yeah, a lot, a lot more people coming from that part of the world. Okay. Well, I guess it depends on displacement and exactly. what the State Department is issuing in terms of the numbers of uh, papers. Uh, That's right. To to bring them in. And everybody okay. wants to live at new, you know, in the Newport Mesa area. Uh, yeah, all that. <laughs> well, it's the, pretty. The, the, <laughs> the, what is it? The uh, the the exclusive the readers of OC the real readers of OC. Yes. They've been, that's the next uh, TV spot. <laughs> okay, and income levels. Uh, what's um, do you have any? You may not be even asking that, but is so it's it's actually it's it's not just an upper income. We uh, don't track we don't track income levels, but we have people that are definitely economically challenged, as well as people that are very economically blessed. So, and we will not close our doors on anybody. Does anybody pay? A fee. All of, all of our services are free. For free. Yeah. So it's the foundation that's underwriting. Uh, no, actually, um, we do get some state funding, as I mentioned yes, earlier. Right. The city is a very large supporter of our services. Um, obviously, it, it behooves the city to have a literate community. Sure. Um, we do a lot of grant writing and a lot of donation requests. Um, about 50% of our budget is, in fact, fundraised. Well, for those of you who are just tuning in, you're listening to Ask a Leader on 88.9 FM in Irvine, streaming live on on the library uh, consoles uh, on the web at KUCI.org. My guests are Cheryl Weiss and Mina Donatucci here uh, talking about Newport Beach's adult literacy program where uh, it's a larger area than Newport Beach, as we're saying, that bring them all in. So now... Is there something about this program that sets it apart? I understand you've got a book club, conversation class, discussion groups, writing workshops. So is it the the comprehensiveness of this? Is this maybe, in fact, what sets you apart from maybe your usual uh, adult learning kind of programs you wouldn't find around the country? From the competition? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd like to think that it's part of it. We are very... um, we respond very quickly to the needs of our learners. So if somebody says that they want a writing workshop, for instance, we will certainly try and create one. But um, I think more than that, what we're doing is we're not focused on book book learning. We're focused on life learning. And it's one of the biggest things that we ask our trained tutors to walk away with, that they work on goals and that Our goal as tutors and, if you will, educators, is to make sure our learner gets to their dream. So it doesn't necessarily mean working with a workbook and starting in workbook one and ending at workbook 10 and saying you've graduated. It's saying that I want to be able to read a story to my child and making sure that they're able to do that. Or the the other side of the coin is they want to get away from their nightmare of not being able to navigate the paperwork that they're confronted with. That's every day. Every day, yes. Okay. Well, I think we have to hurry up and personalize this. Mina Donatucci <laughs> is a tutor in the program. And now the terms here are tutor for those that are uh, volunteering at the library, and they are tutoring what are known as adult learner- learners. Mm-hmm. So let's, I, um, how did you, how were you vetted and how were you trained to do this special job? Well, the, the, for, for the beginning for me was to uh, to just show up and and become a part of the uh, become part of the program. So what I did is I went in one day for the orientation, and you'd learn 
what the program is all about and how they help people, sort of the, the things that we've just learned with, uh, with Cheryl now. And after learning that, you have the opportunity to go, well, I don't think that's really for me, or say, that's exactly how I want to help. And that's where I went was the, the I'd like to help road. And what happens after that is you, you enter the official training program, which is hosted and taught by Cheryl. So she kind of has every hat <laughs> in, so, in the program. So what did how long of a commitment was the actual orientation and training? It's, it's two uh, th- three-hour sessions. And what happens in those is you get a workbook, which uh, you pay for, and that helps to, to cover costs as well. The, how much is a workbook? It's about $25. Okay. And what happens with that is you get to keep it, and it's your little lifeline to all of the things that live inside of Cheryl's head and all of the things that live inside the program that you need to know. And we go through them step by step by step, and you learn how to take somebody from whatever ever reading level they happen to be at through to where their goal happens to be. And the, the beauty about that is that everybody's goal is different. And so it's a really personalized and really uh, focused and specific kind of training that we have. And, and that in turn allows us to give a focused and specific learning opportunity to each of those learners. So I'm seeing Cheryl's rehab counseling giving her an added uh, uh, tech, uh, skill to do some really insightful kind of pairing of tutor and adult learner. I should think so, Okay, yeah. all right. Well, um, how about if you could give us an, maybe a case study or two of an adult learner so we can understand sort of the transformative power of this program? Well, I'll give you the example of my learner that, that I have now. Her name is Sharon, and uh, she is an extraordinary lady. She is uh, was born in the United States and graduated from high school and has children and owns her own business. And throughout her life, she realized that there was something missing for her and what she came to realize was that it was a level of education that made her comfortable and so after her children were grown up she decided that for herself she wanted to take some time and just expand her mind where was she to what extent had she been educated prior to joining the she had graduated from high school that's her degree yes okay. when every if i may yes of course yeah, yeah. every learner when they come into the program is assessed yeah. they're assessed on reading levels they're assessed on writing skill they're assessed on spelling and um, i think when mina's learner came into the program she was assessed at something about a fifth grade reading level yes oh, wow yeah so she is a su- successful professional woman Yet she was definitely... Not literate enough. Not literate enough to do the things she wanted to do now in her second part of her life. Yep. And she's by no means unintelligent, by no means uh, unaware. What happened with her is she began to realize, I have the same level of education as a number of other people, but I'm not using it there there's something missing and she discovered that she had been able to fall through some cracks in the education system and is now Mm. taking the time to fill in those cracks and so we work on them nice and slow there's no there's no agenda there's no set you have to know you know 40,000 words by next week there's nothing like that it's just taking it one week at a time little bit of homework to to 
keep the the information there and keep it in her in in her daily lexicon and by just adding a little bit of of vocabulary a little bit of syntax a little bit of grammar and other things as well what she likes to focus on is in expanding her knowledge in politics and in pop culture both of those help her with her everyday job and allow her to communicate better with people and the changes that she has seen in herself and that I see in her over the last year are One year. remarkable. Okay. We started together uh, at the end of August of last year. So it's almost a year. It's almost our birthday. Right, right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So uh, does critical thinking come up in the terms of this literacy project with Sharon? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Man. Yeah, it's really fun. I, I try to be quite diverse. I think and it's funny because it almost has nothing to do with reading. One of our favorite things to do together are Sudoku puzzles because it gives her an opportunity to think outside the box and to see how hmm. thought patterns can allow you to solve a problem, even if it's something abstract and doesn't really necessarily have to do with, you know, books or budgeting or, or accounting or anything like that. Just taking your your thought patterns and identifying through a puzzle how you can come to a solution to something is so empowering it may be yes Cheryl it may be interesting to note that the official definition of literacy is not just learning how to read literacy is in fact learning how to read write speak Mm -hmm. and and perform computational mathematics that can get people through their daily lives yep um that that's official so in our literacy program and in most literacy programs we have to look at all of this stuff to make sure that our learners are in fact well-rounded and able to figure out how to navigate life mm-hmm. and so uh, uh, we may be not we may still get to go to another uh, case study but so in Cheryl as you're vetting your newly uh, oriented and trained tutors then you are it must be a pretty comprehensive kind of uh, of a uh, profile that you're putting together so that you know what parts of the literacy need that uh, direct attention and a good match, therefore. Um, After spending six hours of training and an hour in orientation, I get a pretty good handle on the people that we're working with. Uh, Our idioms. (laughs) Oh, that's idioms are everything. Yep, they sure are. um, Yeah, and we, we do ask a lot of questions on an application so that when we go to make that match, that we try and make the best match possible. It's a little bit like... Fiddler on the Roof and the Matchmaker and oh, it's a, oh yeah, matches are matches. Yeah. So uh, now does does Minna have one uh, adult learner? So you're it's one on. It's I one know it's on one, one on one, but she doesn't have a, a, a portfolio of several. No, learners. there are a handful of tutors that have time and energy, and they do have a couple of learners. But everybody, most everybody, is content with their one. It's a, it's a very um, personal relationship, so it's it's hard to water it down. I haven't graduated to that level yet, but mm-hmm. maybe someday. Well, then um, maybe, Cheryl, you can give us a, an additional kind of case study so people can get a, a, the a balance. bigger picture of uh, what you provide. One of our learners, a young woman originally from Mexico, um, she is was working is working as a nanny. She came to us several years ago wanting to get her um, high school equivalency. She was matched with a tutor who together um, worked with her for about two years until she was, in fact, um, 
graduated. She had a graduation ceremony and everything. It was a wonderful day. When she graduated, she was um, given a scholarship to go on to one of the community colleges. At that time, she wanted to be a nurse. Um, I see her now in the library studying constantly, and I chatted chatted with her recently. And this, I just, it still just makes my skin crawl because I'm so proud. Goosebumps, right? No, skin crawling is what we talked about in the previous guest. The good kind, the good kind. Okay, the (laughs) the good kind of goosebumps that rise up because she was, she changed her major. She's into psychology, and she is off to UCLA. Bravo. On a scholarship. So that's the other kind. I mean, this is it was a woman who comes from very poor background in Mexico and is really, I mean, soaring. Well yeah. done. So that's the other extreme. Uh, well, oh, man. Yeah. So Anything's and, possible. That's the cool and, part. And yeah. you haven't even mentioned 70% of the Asians, so that's probably the whole gamut of what the two of you are talking about in yeah. your respective case studies. So I'm so glad you talked about literacy in in so many forms. And speaking of and forms, that's a segment. It's not meant to be that title. <laughs> seg- but so do some of them just come in with a, a uh, let's say, a... Uh, a petition, a subpoena, or a, a divorce proceedings kind of paperwork that they don't understand what on the printed word, and you're uh, you're not only having you're helping them, but you're and you're trying to pair them with somebody who can help them not give legal advice, but help them understand what those what the bureaucraties is all about. <laughs> Absolutely, although people just don't walk into the program. Our learners are vetted just as our tutors okay. are. So our learners go through an orientation, as I said, an assessment, so that we have an idea of who they are and what they need. But certainly we have many of our learners that come in with official documents. Um, citizenship forms are oh, incredibly that's complicated. That's a big one. Yeah, it's huge. I know. Citizens have a hard time with them. Yeah. I, I, I look at them and go I, cr- I have a hard gaga. time with them. Oh, I'm not right. a citizen that's, yet. We're, we're going through yeah. that process now, and it's harrowing for me. And An I'm, English I'm by no means the most intelligent person in the world, but I can get around a word or two, and I find it obnoxious. Well, so. I, I can see where Cheryl's going to give you your next assignment. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, <it's laughs> there you go. Learning to get, no, there's no better way to learn than to teach, right? That's right. Okay. That's right. Well, so I know that you have a schedule on the website. We can, you can give the website and then you can tell us when, because I noticed in the beginning of this month, there was already an orientation, uh, tutor orientation um, class offered. But when will the next one be for the listeners who want to know how they can get okay. started? Um, may I give our website address? Apps, give it our all. website is www.newportliteracy.org, and it has our whole calendar on there. Um, we are in the middle of a tutor training as we speak, and the next orientation is in the middle of September, and I don't have the exact date, but um, it is on our website. Um, it will be at 10 o'clock in the morning. I fris- it's, I think, September 18th, though I'm not positive. Okay, well, I can refer people to that that website, but um, if I have the date, I can put that in the podcast summary. It's good to have that. And the number will make it easy. It's th- to call directly, Cheryl. It's 949-717-3874. She's here today. Uh, she won't be at that phone, but she can, it'll, maybe it'll be forwarded to someone else. But Yes, so Francine will be there. There's all kinds of ways to do that. And I want uh, to give a, a shout out to uh, Carolyn, um, who does who's uh, Shear, Carolyn Shear, who's been doing this for, I don't know, about five or six at least years, oh. eight years? Mm, probably close to 10. In our, she's up in the neighborhood up there. And Carolyn, I, I uh, always laud you for your commitment to that and keeping it super classy. Because I, 
I, I know you do that. Well, um, <laughs> I don't know if there's any other uh, part. I mean, you've talked to the gratification. That's clear. You've talked to the, the professional finesse and the, the, the high yields. And I, I can imagine if we did a clinical kind of longitudinal study, we would see people getting off medications, people's uh, incomes going up. There's, I don't think there's probably any follow-up, but were you to do a follow-up, you probably would see all kinds of markers for a, a life that is cleaner and more productive. You know, Barbara Bush once said that, you know, she's a, she's a strong proponent of literacy, and she said that she when she stopped to think about it, all of life's ills come back to literacy. The population in prison, almost 70% are illiterate. People on welfare, high percentage. Um, the list goes on and on. It, l- illiteracy touches so many areas, and it's an easy fix. We can teach. Okay. Well, I want to thank both of you, Cheryl Weiss and Mina Donatucci, who are here with the Adult Literacy Program at the Newport Beach Library. I appreciate you being on the show today. Oh, and Cheryl, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for being on the show. And we'll, uh, we're going to wrap it up here with the... Um, announcements. Uh, As you all heard, we discussed over the first half of the show tonight, the Irvine City Council will take up the matter of whether a 125-acre parcel within the Great Park will be suitable for a veteran's cemetery. That's all we have. Next week on Ask a Leader, we're going to have a crew of activists, among them City of Orange resident Reggie Mundicus, with what's taken place in the deep recesses of the Orange County Fairground property from the time that it was headed for the auction block to the present. It's not exactly family entertainment. Thank you, everybody, for listening.